2: Bill's Podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Power Report Podcast. <clears throat> I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket holder, Drew Gear. It's my producer, Chris Krueger, in studio with us tonight, Mister Iman Azizi.
3: Hey,
1: hey, <laughs> like just hey. unassuming, just hey. How's it going? <laughs> and we're here talking about the disaster, <laughs> just the debacle, <sighs> just divisional round recap. Bengals twenty-seven, Bills ten. Your stats of the game? I don't fucking have stats of the game. What do you what? What, Iman? You gonna go look through the box score of
3: No, no, I'm not. I'm not not reading the papers.
1: Chris, Chris, you want to go ahead and uh, look at the fine, the granular analytics of this one? You want to break that down for me?
2: No. Fuck. I mean that that first quarter that they had. It reminded me of single Chris going on a date, you show up to the bar after meeting somebody on Hinge or Bumble or Tinder, and then you're prepared with two conversation topics, making fun of pronouns and Kyle Rittenhouse, and then you're like, oh, shit, I'm in the hole. I'm going to have to get out of this one.
1: (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like, I'm sorry. There are a lot of content creators out there this week who are real good. I'm talking real good at going over the film and the analytics and they want to tell you about the spacing and the plays that were called. And God bless them because that's like bleaching my eyes. I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking at the numbers. I'll pour a whole pint of that Kentucky gentleman over there sitting in front of Iman before I pour over the stats from this one. Thank you, Iman, for topping me off here. Is that good? Yeah, guys, uh, Kentucky gentlemen, wh- where can people find this fine bourbon, Iman? At your, at your local liquor store on the bottom shelf. <laughs> how, how much is that a bottle? I think it was fourteen ninety nine American <laughs> dollars. <laughs> Chris, at least it's in a glass bottle. It's yeah, gotta count for something, right? Yeah, it's got yeah. the word gentleman on it. I, I'm going to tell the story. Uh, I had that. I've had this whiskey before. Um, freshman year of college myself a man by the name of steve jensen and a man by the name of dan moross we bought a handle of it and took it to a house party where there was like gonna be eight girls and 40 guys because you know how that goes and me and steve and dan proceeded to get the the most whiskey drunk i think three like 19 year olds and a 30 year old could get and uh like it was just a night of us walking around this party stumbling drunk imitating foghorn leghorn Challenging people to duels and like, we ruined everybody's good time. And this seems like the perfect whiskey for this podcast.
3: Oh yeah, that's <laughs> why, that's why I got it.
1: I'm drinking it neat. That's how bad this. It is It was
3: going to be this or Old Crow. Old Crow, but Old Crow's a little too weak. This has a little bit, a little bit more
1: body to it. It's got a little more body to it. Holy shit, guys, we're doing one show this week. No 500th. No season recap pod. We just, I, I just don't have it in me tonight. I want to start by saying this. There was a point in time in my life, back during the drought-era Buffalo Bills, where I used to say that I, as the fan of a loser football team, felt bad for Colts fans. Because I'd think to myself, they have an elite quarterback. They have a nice football team. They put up some impressive statistics. They have home field advantage to the playoffs some years. And yet, season in and season out, those regular season wins almost feel meaningless to their fans because they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're waiting for the bad thing to happen and their season to end way before it should. And I I used to say, like, us, Iman, Chris, as the drought-era Bills fans, when we beat... The you know the, when the eight win Bills or seven win Bills would beat the six win Atlanta Falcons in a meaningless Week sixteen game. Oh, I remember that That was awesome. We would th- <laughs> we would throw a party. Yeah, tell me that it was like the party was on. People were getting hammered. Yeah. Guys were going shirtless because we appreciated every victory more. And I thought that that I was like, yeah, well, there's the silver lining. At least. My wins mean something more than theirs. After this game, it dawned on me that we've now become those same Colts that I used to make fun of. Isn't that kind of fucked
3: up? Yeah, I see what you're talking about. You're talking about losing to Pittsburgh in that championship or divisional game. Yeah. We're like, how how do you lose that game? It's It's a lot of how do you lose that game? You got them right where you want them. Here's the
1: fifth time you're playing the Patriots. (laughs) Here's what I love. What I love is the, uh, like, think about it. All the atrocities, all the stuff that this team has subjected us to, I wasn't ready for this. It really caught me off guard. I think it's (laughs) it's caught the whole fan base off guard. I can't
3: can't engage right now.
1: Oh, and you can tell. Oh, you can see it. Now, Chris, here's what I love. Now, you're not one of these people, but... uh, the people who do a lot of muting and blocking,
2: how much of that do
1: you think is going on on Bill's Twitter right now?
2: Bruce Nolan probably had to call off work the other day to <laughs> to be able to mute everybody he needed to mute and were certain words that he needed to mute. I'm sure he used the whole eight hours to do it.
1: <laughs> Guys, it's it's been a hell of a week. And so I'm not here to talk to you about the excess no's, this, that, the other thing. I mean, Chris, we are the pettiest Bill's podcast. Correct. Instead, I just want to bring you the good, the bad, and the ugly of the fallout in the aftermath. And it starts with the ugly. You are one pathetic loser. Let's talk about the lack of urgency or energy of this football team. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the year the Bills extended Ryan Fitzpatrick. That season, the Bills got off to a really hot start. They were in first place in the AFC East. They had just shut out the Redskins in Toronto. Two weeks later, they play a game, a game against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick breaks his ribs, unbeknownst to us as fans. Like They're kind of keeping it hush-hush. He's got broken ribs from that Redskins game. They go into a game against the Dallas Cowboys on the road and get blown off the map 44-7. to They gave up 163 rushing yards, 433 total, and I bring that game up because I don't know that I've ever seen a Bills team come out so excruciatingly, painfully flat since that game until this weekend. You could see it from the stands, couldn't you, Matt? Yes, you could feel it. You watched them have no energy. The whole
3: crowd was trying to drag them into playing with some energy. The that's, crowd was energized.
1: That's the worst part. You know you're in trouble when in the first quarter you as a fan are going, why do I seem more fired up to be here than the players on the football field? And Matt Milano spoke to that like in the aftermath of this one.
0: There was no real energy,
2: um, juice, no momentum. Usually we'll get a stop, offense will score, or offense will score, defense will make a turnover, something, something to bring some uh change of momentum, but there was none of that this week. That's from Dan Fates on Twitter. No energy? None? Knowing that this was your
1: last home game of twenty twenty three in front of your home fans, knowing that it might be your last game with Jordan Poyer on your roster as your teammate. Knowing that it's an NFL playoff game. No energy? No juice? Like I don't even know who to saddle with this. Right? Whose fault is this? Is it is it the players' fault for not having any urgency? Is it is it our fault for having expectations that are too high for these guys? Like not understand like they haven't been the
3: same. They haven't been the same. They were kind of flat in that Patriots game, besides the kickoff returns.
1: Whose job is it, in your opinion, to manage the energy level of the players?
3: I think it's on the players. I, I think it's within the it's it's the players plus the coach. the coach can't drag them into an he can't he can't manufacture energy. I think the team was just drained.
1: We, as 70,000 people, thought we could manufacture it.
3: Yeah, us. we were trying. We tried, yeah.
1: but it's like trying to drag an elephant.
3: And you saw Josh do this, do the Josh thing where he tries to just take the whole team on his back, and you're coming with me.
1: Well, and the crazy thing is, like, it is that thing where you grab the elephant by the reins, and you try to drag it, like, we're going to drag you into the center ring and make you perform, and instead it just turns around and maims everybody? That's what this game did. <laughs> it just turned around and maimed everyone. And then there's this from Isaiah McKenzie. I think I'm going to start asking the same question. You know what I'm saying? What, what's it going to take? You know, we got we got the guys. We got the, I feel like we got the right guys. Being the McDermott, they're really bringing in the right guys. And great players at like that. You know, Vaughn Miller, Stephon Diggs. We got Josh. You know, Gabe is coming along and things like that. The defense is doing well. You know, I, I'm trying to figure that out. You know, what is it? You know, what, is it, what do we have to do? And, I mean, obviously that ain't up to me. But, you know. Other than that, I'll, I'll ask that question just like you asking that question. I don't, I, I really don't know because everything is, we got the players, we got the coaches, we got everything we wanted. We're winning football games when we need to win them, but well, during the season, then we get to the playoffs. It's just like it's not there.
2: Also, from Dan Fates on Twitter. Now, this is just my opinion.
1: Doesn't that kind of sound like an unintentional shot at the coaching staff?
3: Yes, I think it does. Which is interesting coming from him. To like it's the whole thing.
1: Why? Because no one likes him. I, I don't. I, I don't I wonder, dislike him. I wonder if he feels that way. I wonder maybe if he, maybe he feels a little bit villainized by fans. Maybe, but whatever it is, though, like he's he's talking openly about this feeling of like because I get that the exasperation that comes with like what else do I have to do? Like Chris, you and I are going to go out to dinner tomorrow night with Reed. We are, and we're going to see him. And I'm going to do what we usually do after these kind of circumstances. I'm going to give him a hug. I'm going to tell him I missed him. I'm going to tell him, hey, man, sorry. And he's going to do the thing he always does where he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Because he knows he's not naive. And I'm going to laugh and go, look, this is that's out there. It's not in here. (laughs) It's not in here where we currently are sitting. That's out there. And it's over. It's done. I'm not I'm not even thinking about it anymore because this is this is just like there's Reed Ferguson the football player, there's Reed Ferguson the guy. but don't like like these guys care. they all to a man care about this. And so I guess it's just like to hear that frustration from him I can I can absolutely understand if he was having just a, a really candid moment where he goes, hey, I, what else? What else do I? Well, what else do we as a team? We've got all the things. Why can't it work? Yeah. And a part of that, to me, I'm just like that. Just like I said, it's unintentional. But it goes, hey, if we have all the pieces, why is it we when we get to this stage, other teams just run over the top of us? What aren't we doing? What don't we know? What aren't we being taught? What aren't we being told? I don't know. I think
3: that's why it's tough to talk about, because no one knows. No one knows. It's it's this intangible thing. can't put your finger
1: on it. Well, then you hear this from Roger Saffold, uh, Bridget Condon on Twitter. Roger Saffold says he feels like guys were tired. He says, guys were, in quotes, guys were exhausted during the week, and our coaches did the best they could to try to modify the week, but there was just uncharacteristic things that were kind of happening.
3: Yeah. That's that's what I sensed, and I remember Saffold being drafted by the St. Louis Rams, so full circle for me to see him here now, but yeah, that's I I believe much more in that statement. I, I think the team just seemed, they
2: were just drained, and there were certain players trying to pull it together. Like the 93 Bills after losing to the Cowboys for the second time? Yeah, you could, like, I remember watching
3: that as a kid, and I was like, why aren't they trying? <laughs> Why yeah. why is Thurman on the bench with his head in his hands? Yeah, they were leading at halftime. And they made one bad play with that damn shovel pass, and then they all gave up.
1: Shovel yeah. passes are Brett Coleman has a whole video on it. Shovel passes are for assholes. Unless you have uh what's his face? Travis Kelsey.
3: Yeah. It had the same feel as that second half, that whole game. It was like a few guys were trying to pull the rest of them and they just couldn't they couldn't get the energy.
1: It's that's something that I think if you've never played an organized sport, you don't know what that feeling is. I've never played an organized sport at that level, obviously. I mean, look at
2: me. Well, we know you're not an athlete. <laughs>
1: yeah, say so look, at, although I did, although I did wrestle one in a bar by the uh by the stadium one night <laughs> not too long ago. <laughs> I love Fina. I love that guy. Um no, it's just it really does like there is an like there's an emotion, and everyone's like, "Well, how come they can't just get fired up for this?" You sometimes just get to a point where you you just you're gassed, yeah. you're emotionally exhausted, got nothing left. I just got nothing left for you, and you watched it. Yep, the team that ran over, ran over the like short of the mistakes that they made against Miami a week prior. Just showed up a shell of themselves. That's not intimidation. That's not savvy game planning. It's literally just out of gas. And you saw it worst with the Bills' trench play. Like, just the, again, these are notes from the stands because I wasn't going to rewatch that disgusting display of football. Uh, J- Joe Burrow, two and a half seconds to throw on average. The Bills' defense allowed not one but two different Bengals wide receivers to finish in the top five for cushion. Cushion. That's the amount of separation pre-snap.
3: And we got away with that touchdown being called not a touchdown. I yeah, like, man, that, that was, was a
1: touchdown all day. Was I, I remember looking at it going,
3: "If that was my team, I'd be pissed." Yeah. I
1: I almost have to get a fresh beer to talk about this. I mean, it's like meanwhile Josh gets pressured on forty percent of his dropbacks. And the Bengals rush four players in eighty four percent of their defensive snaps. What the fuck?
3: See, I thought I was like what? Josh. Josh sometimes plays his best ball when he's running for his life. I was like, is that the game plan today? Just have him run for his life and make make things happen.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, they, they, it's almost like they kind of could feel it, and their defensive coordinator was like, oh, if that's the game, then all right, we we have this. I mean, Roger Saffold, miserable game. There was a play two plays I can think of. One was a stunt right in his face and somehow he didn't block either guy. Like usually it's like, Hey, we're going to get you out of position and another guy's going to loop around to the space you vacate. He didn't block either guy. And they were both in the backfield and he's just standing there looking confused. And that's when I kind of put, I remember putting both hands in the back of my head and just gone, Oh boy. Oh, I need to go buy a beer. I, I wasn't going to do it. Iman. I wasn't going to drink in the stadium. But I was like, I gotta go. I have to go get one.
3: The only times I drank in the stadium is when uh, Lieutenant Yulberg bought, bought me some blue lights <laughs> since I helped help him get the tickets there. And
1: good old fashioned Lieutenant Yulberg.
3: Otherwise, yeah, don't want to drink can in the we stadium. We calling
1: him Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. Oh my God! Can you picture him in a wheelchair? He'd still be just as tall as Chris. <laughs> I don't
2: know who that is. D- Justin Yulberg, Lieutenant you said Lieutenant Dan yeah Lieutenant <laughs> oh my god see people this is what I'm working with here I can't
1: make movie quotes T- T- Terry White's talking about how well, you guys make movie references that don't make it across the pond all the time I've got a guy in the room who doesn't understand a perfectly good Forrest Gump reference
2: no I've never seen Forrest Gump the Bills were in their second third Super Bowl I'm drinking a beer is that era yeah never seen Forrest Gump oh my I've wow. seen the gif of him running down the driveway and then down the street.
1: You literally, like, you telling me that is is, you're worse than Spencer Brown. <laughs> like, the game Spencer Brown hit on Sunday, you suck more than him right now. Jesus Christ. I mean, realistically, the trenches on both sides of the ball, our backup defensive linemen were out there playing patty cake. I mean, without... They, they just had they, were, no they were Tecmo Bowl players. This is what I'm saying. They were non-existent. They were just and engaging. And you can do the insulting thing like every amateur fan does where you go, oh, I was like a road cone, ah, like every WGR caller out there. But the reality is, is that there wasn't to a man, any single player on our defensive line who could make an impact.
3: We never, I can't think of one, one play. No,
1: not one single positive play from watching. And I go, all right, our defensive line got something going. Those backups came out and kicked you in the teeth. And you just took it. You had no you had no fight. It was the worst. Now we move on to just what is mildly bad.
3: <laughs> wow, you suck at this. I'm
1: going to go with coordinator decision making. And like, the way the lines played is just about how our coordinators played. Ken Dorsey, I, I don't even know what the plan was out there. Like, well, what are you doing? Him and watching him and Zach Taylor together trying to like coordinate games against each other, like it was almost embarrassing. He has no preset motion, no creativity, no trickery. There's no pulse to this thing. Once again, it's another one of those games where I don't know. Like, you can watch a football game as a slightly educated fan, and by the halfway point of the game, you can go, okay, I see what we're trying to work with. I I felt like with the Dolphins game, you watched that and you went, all right. Vertical passing. They're not taking checkdowns. They know that this team is blitzing, and their intent is to punish them by throwing over the top and hopefully forcing them to adjust their game plan when they burn them too many times.
3: We play four-leg parlays all the time. That's, <laughs> that's what we do. It? It's four- to five-leg parlays instead of just playing
1: the line. It's it's That's what they were doing on offense. And by the end of it, I'm watching at halftime going, I still don't know what we're trying to accomplish here. It's crazy. And it's it's like watching him and Zach Taylor next to each other on the same field. It's like when somebody parks a freshly waxed Maserati next to your truck. Like this has happened to me a couple times where I get out and I'm like, "Ah, my truck isn't bad. Somebody pulls up in the brand new GMC Sierra Denali edition, fucking all the bells and whistles. and I look at it and I'm just like, God damn you. (laughs) Damn you. And then they get out and they look at my truck, and it's not like my truck's terrible, but you look at it and you go, "Fuck, doesn't have that, doesn't have that 18-inch screen, doesn't have that." Although those tailgates, total aside, are horseshit. They're mm-hmm. so like, "Oh, this thing will fall down into stairs." That's a nightmare waiting to happen. I'm a Chris. I am I a patient man? No. If that tailgate malfunctioned for even 30 seconds. You could picture a world where I just rip it off the truck, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is why I can't own these things. I don't. I, I can't have it. But it's one of those things where you see that, you know, you see that Maserati, you see that Denali pull, d- truck pull up next to yours and you just immediately know that guy's better than you. And that's exactly what happened on Sunday. <laughs> it's embarrassing. And I don't know. I mean, the thing I love to come out of this coordinator conversation for offense is that everyone's like, well, there was checkdowns there and Josh didn't take them. Whose fault is that, Iman? Is it, is it on the gunslinger quarterback with a cannon arm who's got targets who are supposed to be capable of getting open downfield? Or is it on the offensive coordinator that over the course of 18, 19, 20 weeks, he hasn't still built a trust with his quarterback that when he says, Hey, I think you should, I really think you shouldn't force the ball here. It's third and two. You could, you could easily check it down for a first down and live to fight another day. And he doesn't believe you yeah. because he doesn't believe in what you're putting together. In his in his soul. He knows that if I don't make hero ball plays, we will lose this football game.
3: I think there's a little much too much of letting Josh be Josh. And they never had a 90 day review. Like they they didn't have like that talk about what's going right, what's going wrong. It just feels like it's been the same all year. And Josh sometimes makes those plays.
1: Does that happen we, to you in copywriting? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask. So is that a thing? Like they bring you down? They're like, all right, we see what you're putting out. Yeah. Let's just critique this a little bit. Yeah, that's what I would do with, with my team and
3: what I grew up doing. So
1: yeah. Chris, Top. how often would you, as an offensive coordinator, sit down with your quarterback and be like, listen? especially a guy like Josh, and be like,
2: listen, asshole, I've got a plan.
1: You need to trust me. And if you don't, then this whole thing's going to fall apart.
2: I would meet with him about that in between every offensive drive. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. So do you
1: think that this almost makes the case that Ken Dorsey started his career where Brian Dable was essentially exiled to? Yeah. Do you almost think that maybe there's some – I don't, want, I don't know what you want to call it. Just a learning curve. Or maybe bringing him down out of the booth. Yeah. Like maybe this is a thing where he's like, listen, Ken Dorsey, we're not going to fire you. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to mandate you're down on the sidelines so that you can talk to your fucking quarterback. And the two of you can slowly get on the same page. You need to hire some people, some spotters in the box who can communicate to you what's going on in real time. So that you can relay that to our quarterback. But I, let's go back to the
3: first couple games of the year. Josh was doing those things right. That Rams game, when we kicked off the year, that first drive was textbook, eight-yard pass, five-yard pass, six-yard. Like, we, we were doing the things, the Titans game. do And then just slowly kind of changed. Into four
1: verts. And so the question is, whose fault is that? And I'd argue, yeah, you can blame Josh Josh isn't replaceable, right? <laughs> so what you have to do is you got to say, listen, it's like when you, when you have to manage a strong personality, there's, it's, it's a not only is there a learning curve, but it's a, it's a struggle. Are you talking about yourself? <laughs> yes. Craig, if you're <laughs> out there, God bless you. Managing strong personalities is hard. It's difficult because those people by and large believe that they're correct because of the success that they have and so then the more successes they have the harder it gets to tell them no you have to do things my way or at least let's agree to meet in the middle I feel like this hasn't taken place and this was where it's like pressure burst pipes Mm -hmm. this was the moment where the pressure just got to be too big and Alan overrode everything Dorsey might have had and just said fuck it I I I'm, you call a play, and I'll turn it into what I want it to be. Yeah. And that's the reason that this offense has had no visible identity in some of these games, is because that's the moment. My opinion, but that's what I'm seeing. And so I don't think that it's a Dorsey problem in terms of... Maybe Dorsey needed a year on the job to feel like he had a little cachet to be able to talk to him the way Dable used to talk to him, to hold court. Because think about it. He was a rookie. Yeah. Dayball showed up when Allen was a rookie. Allen didn't have an ego yet. Mm-hmm. And don't. when people hear that, they're going to take that the wrong way. Every quarterback has an ego. If you don't, you're terrible at your job. Because you have to believe that you are good enough to go out there and dominate at any given time. You also have to be strong enough to stand in front of that guy and go, I'm the guy with the plan. So while you can do it, you need to sometimes shut up and listen to me. I don't feel like Dorsey ever found that. Yeah. So
3: (laughs) I'm looking at early in the season, they had it, which meant they had a few, they had a few weeks and a month to work on that. So they had an agreement and then it
1: slowly trickled away. I think the first time they hit adversity and Josh goes, I think I know better. Uh, Again, I know what that feels like. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah, I think I know better than everybody else. I'm going to do it my way. Fuck these guys.
3: Yeah, that's Josh. He just takes the whole thing on his back and tries to drag everybody
1: with him. I get it. I, d- 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 what do you I understand. Now, the worst part is that we all kind of expected Dorsey to get out-dueled in this one, right? hmm How about Leslie Frazier getting outplayed by... Like, what? Like, first of all, with so many out- offensive linemen out, like, 65% of their starting snaps, gone. Not on the field. Like, they averaged six yards a carry.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: They're a terrible rushing team, and Joe Mixon just put it just put it on us.
3: Yep. What did we get, one punt from them?
1: One? Chris, Joe Mixon treated us like we were sitting down here. I, I? Someone tweeted this at us and I want to take full credit for it. It is funny. It's not funny, but it is funny because he, he can kiss my ass. But someone tweeted, they were like, man, they were Joe, Joe Mixon treated us like we sat down to have, sat down to have, what was it, Popeyes with him? Zaxby's? Zaxby's? Zaxby. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yep. Like, the, the the stat that came out last week, the Bills have allowed over 100 points in their last three playoff games going into this one. I don't know. The question is starting to be asked, what good is having an elite regular season defense if it doesn't manifest in the playoffs when you play the best of the best? I I, I don't know. It's just frustrating, right? Yep. Like the, the, the now famous graphic of the Bills blitzing while also playing deep coverage at the same yeah. time. It's like, come on. I don't need to see much more than that. Like, that was all the film I needed to watch to tell you what kind of day our defensive coordinator had. It's just both of our coordinators got handed their asses. Uh, also, in the bad, the Damari Hamlin conversation coming out of this game is disgusting. Yep. You people should be fucking ashamed of yourselves.
3: Yeah. It's rough.
1: I. What's wrong with people?
3: It, the most toxic people waited a couple weeks like, ooh. I can come out of I can come out from behind that rock and start being an asshole again.
2: I just don't
1: understand. What do you get out of this? Like, I'm gonna say this thing. It's controversial, it's a conspiracy theory, cause this is what, do you really believe that though? Or are you just being a dick? The latter. Listen, that's I, what they're doing. Listen, I troll. I, I'm a trolls troll. I was trolling before social media existed. Message boards. Me and my friends at the town library logging in to harass other teenagers on message boards just to ruin their fun times because we were petty terrible people. <laughs> I just don't understand where this comes from. Like you're you're all gross, and I liked, but I did like the tweet from the original Pizza Logs Twitter account uh, that said, "I wish Demar would post a picture of himself watching Attack of the Clones. It would be awesome." <laughs> And also Eli Apple, yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Listen, I've had enough of this. I, I listen, Cincy. I stuck up for you and his people. I still, I still respect the hell out of the people of your city. That football team. They, 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 well, what's the thing I keep seeing? Oh, like one Apple spoils a bunch. That's a hacky. Like, listen, as a copywriter, that's hack, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's hack. That's low-hanging fruit. That's. but It's too on the nose, right? Yeah. But also, fuck Eli Apple. Here, I'll just say it like that. That guy, I, you've turned me against a team that I had so much respect for. Yeah. I'll be rooting against you for the rest of the playoffs.
3: The problem where's the team against him? That's what I don't like. Where's somebody stepping up to say shut up?
1: Well, my favorite thing was Shaq Lawson, where he's just like, Hey, listen, you you be be proud, brag about your win, yeah. keep tomorrow handle in out of your mouth, you'll get beat up for real. And I'm thinking to myself this is the guy who fist fought Leonard Fournette at a Bills game on the field. If he fought a dude on the field, you don't think he'll do it off the field? I'm just, Chris, I'm just saying. In fact, you were there for it. You were which, at that game. Which game was this? The Jaguars game where Leonard Fournette came off the bench and Shaq Austin boxed him up. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were not in the stadium. I was in the bathroom. I missed the touchdown. I missed the fight. I missed everything that game. It was terrible. <laughs> But can can we all agree we're all off the band the Bengals bandwagon?
3: Yeah, I was on it until that. Like, it, it, my problem is he can be an asshole. Where are the other Bengals or coaches to tell him to shut up? With this, can you imagine if this happened with the Buffalo Bills players?
1: Someone would take pull him aside, and yeah. just be like, "Hey, man, listen, that's not it. That's that's distasteful." Yeah, how, Chris, how many times have the Bills like really like beaten up an opponent this season? Did you see our players on social media talking shit about it? Mm, Never, because they yeah. have character. And I, what I love is, he's not even one of their best players. If it was Trey Hendrickson, if it was Jamar Chase, who was like, like pu- picturing like pictures of himself d- backwards dunking over the Peace Bridge, I'd be like, all right, you fucking got me. Instead, it's one of the worst cornerbacks ever.
3: This is like Cam Lewis coming out and talking <laughs> shit about Waddle.
1: <laughs> it's a mess. That guy. So we're all firmly anti-Bengals. If there's anything else bad that came out of this, if there's something I want to end this on, it's just the presser com- comments. Now, Chris, we talked about this—the press conference stuff. Yep. I don't, I don't listen. You do. Chris yeah. always listens to this thing because he's like, "Well, I'll listen for some sound bites." I wait for Twitter to tell me something interesting was said because I can't—it's drivel. I can't listen to most of this. You know, it's the annual tradition. We lose. They trot. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott out there for media availability. They say an hour's worth of shit.
2: And it's an hour get, and a half. And you,
1: Jesus Christ. Christ.
2: You mean to tell me that Bean, I, Bean spoke for fifty-five minutes and McDermott was twenty-seven minutes?
1: I could have watched Top Gun in that time. Totally uh, better use of my time. Whew. Also,
2: totally never better. seen it. Jeez,
1: Yulberg. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, give me strength. <laughs> Chris, what mo- What do you watch
2: in your spare time? Mo- like movie-wise. Yeah, comedies. Like like what? Like what? what? Coneheads.
1: <laughs> Slack Black Sheep. What? How how new is the newest movie you watched? Um, like the last film you watched. When was
2: it recorded? What was that? What was that? Was it Seth Rogen movie with um, the guy with the six pack?
3: Trop- Tropicana or whatever? No,
2: no, no. The guy with the the I, I don't know the guy's name, but he like Seth Rogen was like, you know, in his thirties, just married with a kid, and he like lived next to a frat house. Neighbors? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that movie's like a decade old.
3: Yeah. yeah, Coneheads came out. I bought the soundtrack, so I could have the Red Hot Chili Peppers sold a squeeze single because I was the only way to get it at the time. That's how old that movie is. Yeah, yeah.
2: I like the classic. I don't know.
1: It's more embarrassing <laughs> that he doesn't watch movies, or that both of you jerk offs have bought the movie Coneheads. You paid real American. I bought the dollars. I
2: bought
3: the soundtrack CD. That's even worse. I needed soul to squeeze. It was only
2: on the. I couldn't catch it on the radio to tape it. Yeah, Iman. This,
1: this podcast is broken down. I've. Can you pour me a little more Kentucky? Iman I'm could not
2: get through this thing. Find that on Spotify because that didn't exist. Exactly. He had to go Thank to you, probably Media Play.
3: No there was nothing at this time. This was uh, get it off the radio or get the, get Records? The, get, the,
2: get the CD. Yeah, where did you get it? Media Play? Okay. Uh Record and Tape Traders. All
1: right. Oh, if you guys hear a clicking sound, it's me putting a gun in my mouth. <laughs> 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 what?
3: Oh no. That's why that's why you, they used to get big artists on movie soundtracks so smucks like me would go buy that soundtrack for $15 to get the one song.
2: So far, of any movie we've talked about tonight, most time has been allocated to Coneheads. Just Which so a, you know. It's a great story. Yeah. Good morals
3: to learn. It uh,
1: is yes. not!
3: <laughs> Even if you're different, you can, you, you can still fit into middle America.
2: <laughs> you can still fit into that! <laughs> you
1: should have written a copy for the fucking movie! <laughs> Oh, it's better than whatever the hell they came up with. Holy shit! So these guys came out here and filled up the amount of time it would have taken Chris to watch it, Coneheads. <laughs> and I mean, it's Sean McDermott we're talking about. He's not giving you much, but there was a few things to come out of this <laughs> this press brain fart. <laughs> Just to, to, to look at, I'm turning into a Kentucky gentleman over here.
3: It's only it's only 80 proof, so you should be safe. So it's like water.
1: Yes, and it tastes it tastes. Like, it tastes like almost nothing.
3: People have been drinking this since 1879, it says.
2: so. <laughs> were they also th- is this? A- is, th-
1: these are the people who just came out of this Civil War. They didn't know what to do. They were just happy they weren't being shot at anymore. They're like, oh, there's no more grape shot coming through the window? Oh, pour me a little bit of that Kentucky gentleman. Let's celebrate. Good Lord. There's a few things I took issue with that came out of this. Not because I'm just feeling like a nitpicky son of a bitch. I am. I am one. Just not about this. But just because of the things that they said and the way it concerns me for what might be the most important offseason for our GM and head coach's careers. There's some things. First, you know, Bean opens up with, you know, we didn't show it last night, but we lost three games by eight points. I don't want to make one game bigger than it is which is almost directly contradicted by the quote from the head coach where he goes, your last game showed, tells you who you are. So who am I supposed to be listening to? The GM who's telling me that it's not a big deal, or the coach who's like, "Wow, well, we fell on our faces, boys, and that's who we are.
3: Well, the GM's controlling the money, <laughs> and that's probably why. He's got he, he's to he's be the corporate man where McDermott's feeling it. Is he?
1: Does McDermott feel things?
3: I think he does. He just hides it very well without alcohol.
1: <laughs> God bless him. I wish I, I wish I had a, just a little bit of that. He comes out and says, not everything was perfect for either of them, referring to Dorsey and Frazier. But they're both pros, and you have to understand that sometimes games aren't going to go for a player or a coach exactly the way you want them to, and that's the reality of it. It sounds like a pass. To me, and I, I don't agree with that. Like, We just got done talking about how there's there's issues here, real tangible issues. Now, obviously, they don't owe us. I'm one of those people who firmly believes that I'm not owed an explanation by anybody. right? If the GM doesn't... like, It's why I hate the WGR caller crowd, because they'll call the radio station and go, well, you know, the coach said this, and I'm not satisfied. Do you think Sean McDermott gives you shit what you think? Realistically, he has to do this. It's a part of his job, if you could, if you told Sean McDermott he never had to come out here in front of the media, you wouldn't even know he existed. He'd be like Michael Jackson at the end of like mid-90s. We're like, we don't even get to see his face anymore.
3: Wouldn't that be great if McDermott like was like, you know, I heard from Tom from Tana Wanda on GR the other day, and I just want to address what he said.
1: I, I would want him fired immediately. <laughs> in fact, if Sean McDermott was like, I... I was looking at the Twitter the other day. Gone. You just, you're done. You're you're fired as a head coach. So I get it. You got to say the things, but it sounds like they're, like, it almost sounds like they were kind of softening the blow for people to be like, listen, I know a lot of you right now want these guys fired. No one cares. No one here gives a fuck. We're not firing them. And you're all just going to have to deal with that. That's how, like, am I reading between the lines and pretty well on that one?
3: I think so. That's exactly what it is.
1: (laughs) Now, there's this one that's a little confusing. Just like Ken Dorsey, I think Spencer Brown is displaying an arrow up. Now, Iman, we aren't football geniuses here on this podcast. No. (laughs) You are not a football analyst. You're not a statistician. I played through grade 12. (laughs) So with that in mind... I'm going to rotate my screen towards you, and I want you to take a quick peek at Spencer Brown's numbers. I see a lot of red already. (laughs) And I want you to look at that chart, and I want you to tell me what stands out to you about this. (laughs) Does
3: RBLK stand for for run blocking? Run
1: blocking grade? These are his 2021 numbers. These are his 2022
3: numbers. He went from 71.6 run blocking to (laughs) 56.2. Okay. Uh, and run blocking's the the easier block. Let's look at the sack numbers. Uh, did, did, did we or did we not quadru- quadruple those this year? That's I'm not a uh, mathematician, but from one to four is like, what's that, 4,000%? Ah. Hits from five to 11 <laughs> Hurts. and hurries from 30 to 35.
1: Pressures. 30- he allowed 24 more pressures than he did last year.
3: That's it's,
1: not good. Not good, Bob. That's not good. So statistically, he's worse by a by a glaring margin. It's not a good arrow up. And over his last four games, he allowed three more pressures than he did during his first four. So what happened? What happened there? Well, I I don't know. Chris, were we just drunk last year and we imagined that Spencer Brown was good? Could be coaching. Could be. Aaron Cromer comes in and all of a sudden this guy just painfully regresses. Yeah. Like, I remember in the offseason, us sitting here at this table, you were in the room, Iman. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Anthony Brahaska about how Aaron Cromer is going to make a difference in this offensive line. You know what difference I saw? Spencer Brown sucked. Yeah, that was it. That's about it. Like, uh, you plugged in in Roger Saffold, who was mediocre. Yep. Ryan Bates didn't look nearly as athletic as we gave him credit for down the stretch last year. Didn't hear his name a lot, which is good. Which is fine That's fine as a guard Morse was Morse Dawkins was Dawkins And Spencer Brown was terrible Dawkins I think had a Whose better year Whose is that?
3: Dawkins had a better year
1: He did Okay So one guy <laughs> That's it painfully regress Am I supposed to celebrate this? And am I supposed to blame Spencer Brown and be like, oh, he's terrible? Or do I say, well, we changed coaches and clearly that didn't work for the guy that we drafted to be the fucking right tackle.
3: The run blocking thing is concerning because that's just
1: pushing guys. Yeah. You're literally one of the biggest, strongest people on the field. You're the guy who set the RAS score record. You and Taylor Lewan.
3: Yeah. Pass blocking is skill and all this dexterity crap. Run blocking is just bowling somebody over. And somehow
1: you regressed badly.
3: That's that's a big old percentage.
1: Thank you. So you look at the underlings and you go, What the fuck did you do, Cromer? You broke one of the few things that I had going for me. Now, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna rant about this anymore, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say he's using that as his comp for Ken Dorsey. That doesn't make me feel better. No. Like, here's something crazy for you, Iman. First four games, the Buffalo Bills 114 points. 28.5 points per game. The final four games, 114 points.
3: <laughs> 28.5 points per game. But you got to spread them out in the right way. Yeah, that's you can't just
1: score 40 and 30 on a bunch of guys and then get to the playoffs and go, well, we'll get 10. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get 10. Now, if we're being fair, the Bills did score 20 or more points in all but three games, but it's a weird thing to point to and be like, see, look, he finished strong. Did he? Because I just watched ten points. I just I just left a game in the fourth quarter after an incident that will not be spoken. At Chris, if we had a Patreon, we could talk about this stuff.
2: Do you want to get one? We we might need to,
1: so we can tell all the all the gross, gory details of things behind a paywall for just five ninety nine a month. That then some journalists can just watch anyway, and then bring yeah. us out and talk about like, oh, these guys are terrible people.
2: Well, no. you are terrible people.
1: I, well, I am terrible people. I I'm not all the time I pick my spots but either way like I left we all left me Potter did you guys leave I stayed the whole time and then you son of a bitch you know what here I cheers I'll toast I stayed the whole time
3: I was I was so just I'm staying I was like uh, Lebowski Walter at the diner (laughs) where he's like I'm staying enjoying my coffee because I've had a, I got a front row seat on the 10-yard line in the upper deck. I'm comfortable. Everyone else is left around me. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm staying. He I'm going to watch like, these five minutes. I'm not minutes. leaving. I'm not getting out of the parking lot. I'm just going to do this. <sighs> Talk to a Bengals guy. He was all right. God.
1: God bless you, Iman. You, you are just a way better human being than me. <laughs> So I don't know. I just it's just confusing messaging. Like I get what he's trying to say. He's like, "Well, Spencer Brown and this guy—they're both trending up." No, they're not. No, that's actually not what happened at all. Brandon Bean, don't. Li- it's a, it's a classic phrase that my dad always used. Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Stop it. I understand you're trying to make me feel better. That's not the way to do it. And then the last one, he goes, "I don't want to suck bad enough to get Jamar Chase."
3: Yeah, that was a weird one.
1: No one dies. Nobody's taking for a fucking wide receiver Brandon. <sighs> There's also a case to be made that Buffalo might not have to suck as badly to get game-changing talents. T Higgins was a second-round pick. Where have our second and third-round picks gone? One of them's dead. You the the callback <laughs> on that is wild. I love. I saw how excited your like your whole face lit up like a Christmas tree. I was like, "Oh, there's something bad coming."
2: Yeah, I, like part of me was like, "No, no, don't do that." But <laughs> most most of my body went. Say it. It's time. So, Iman, do you know what we're talking about what era?
1: We'll no, talk. No. We'll, t- we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the Patreon.
2: <laughs> yeah. So. I put out
1: a tweet this week, and I was just basically talking. Oh, about, I got it, I got it,
3: I got it. And, and
1: I was talking about how when you look at when you look at the situation with the Bills' offense, their top ninety picks over the last like fucking three years, yeah, they've really wasted a lot of these. Chris, there was the AJ Epenesa pick that I derailed the hashtag Sports Live Draft Show. Yep, <laughs> JK Dobbins was right there. You chose not. You actively chose to be worse on offense so that you could pick an average defensive lineman. Uh, the Boogie Basham pick, the Zach Moss pick, the Terrell Bernard pick from this past year, where you go, this is hat on a hat. Like, I have two of the best inside linebackers in football. Am I drafting one of their inevitable replacements? Because in a year where I'm trying to win a Super Bowl, that feels like drafting Jordan Love in the first round when I have Aaron Rodgers. This is stupid. Like, this is a bad call. And I got called a bad fan. I got made fun of for, oh, you don't know more than the GM. Who fucking knows now? (laughs) Terrell Bernard never saw the field. Most of you wouldn't know his name if it wasn't for that stupid Jets game that he did not play well in. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of who else was available when we took those guys, because it'll just get my blood pressure up, and I'll end up like my buddy DeVinney. Now, that's a bad joke that's in poor taste. Divinity, I love you. I'm happy you're doing well. I'm happy you're out of the hospital. I love you. I I will see you soon. But something would be better than what our approach has been. Right? Like, I get his love of, of linemen with those picks. Because the return on investment. Think about tackles, defensive ends, and defensive tackles. Basically, if you're good at your job, you set Besides quarterbacks, you get paid if you play those positions. So the idea is if we can just hit on one of these, we'll be set for four years. But if you hit on none of them, then it doesn't matter much, does it? No. No. (laughs) And then you whiff at running back that nets you another running back that you then just painfully neglect to use ever.
3: Now I'm I'm a James Cook stand. I think he's going to be good, great, maybe.
1: Okay, great, but you could have mixed in a little Naheem Hans Oh yeah, what was uh, that? That was another thing. They, they were like, "Well, we brought him in here to help the offense, and then it just didn't happen." He gets
3: three tries a game, and that's about it. No, but
1: what I loved is they were just like, "Well, that didn't really happen," and then they move on. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it's not like it did. They they say it didn't happen. Like when I walk outside and go, "Oh, it didn't rain today." It's not an act of God. You chose this.
3: We have him, and then we run the McKenzie, that reverse sweepy thing again. And then that Someone
1: man. in your building made this decision. I would want more answers on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That whole piece of conversation just bugged me. Realistically, this is Chris, this is what I get for listening to this drivel. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I'm never doing it again. You are here permanently exiled to being the Rockpile Report official press conference listener. <laughs>
2: I mean, I have it. If you want audio for it, you know, I can cut it up for you. I'd I'd like you to
1: cut it up, and then I'd like you to like muddle it, and then I'd like you to eat it. Got it. You just eat that. I I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. In fact, why don't you transcribe it on paper, and then we can burn it together you out saw, in the backyard.
3: I guess say like Yahoo. Duck. can do that. He's a writer. Yeah. Yahoo and those sites like that took that bean quote and they're like, Buffalo Bills GM goes nuclear on Bengals.
1: Jesus Christ. So was Bean just trying to run under interference here? Who knows? I don't know. I don't even care anymore. Chris, there was one, one positive thing to come out of this weekend, though. And that's where we get to talk about the good. Pretty, 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 pretty,
3: Why?
0: pretty good.
1: <sighs> Iman, this is where we get to shift gears on this podcast.
3: Yeah, I don't want to talk about that game anymore.
1: No, because we're fucking done. Here, cheers. No more. No more. We're done. Now that we're clear of that disaster, part of the reason that I invited you here in industry not not only because I do enjoy just drinking with you, mm-hmm. and also, you are, like, folks, you, would, you wouldn't know this, but me and uh, Rock Paul Report attorney Mark Smith joke about this constantly, that we are going to make a biopic of...
0: Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, Who plays
1: Emon? I don't know. We're going to figure this out. Uh, at first, I thought Danny DeVito, but David like, no. David Tell. David Tell is yeah. probably spot. Look at him. You're a I comedy get, guy. When
2: I got my yeah. hat off. Yeah, it's David Tell. Dan, well, uh, do you smoke? No. All right. We'll have to, I gotta ask, to start, start smoking. I got asthma.
1: I've got asthma. Other than that... Well, also, David Tell has no shame. Yeah, he has, has plenty of shame, which is part of the <laughs> beauty of his character. He has plenty of shame, and yet all these stories... I, I love it. He's the most unassuming, most interesting man in the world. Part of the reason we have you here tonight is because I want to talk to you about... Not just the game, but the way the season ended, and the fact that like the year that we had... You and I, as probably two of our fan base's most avid tailgaters, and just the football community aspect of this, and just the art of tailgating at its finest that we kind of put on, and the impact that has on days like Sunday. Mm -hmm. Now, for a lot of people, tailgating is just standing around in a parking lot getting hammered before you go into a sporting event. There are some cities that actively put the kibosh on it. Which I, I don't know how you. What did you guys do at the at the Edwards Dome? <laughs> <laughs> you went to the Applebee's,
3: got some apps, a few margs.
1: Chris, <laughs> was, can you? Picture, it was awful. Chris, can you can you picture me drinking at an Applebee's before a Bill's game? Um,
3: I'd get arrested. Yeah, I'd get is, arrested when pe- people are like, build a dome downtown. My mind goes right back to St. Louis and the Rams and just how awful that was. That experience. We had a Bills backers club. We had 50, 60 Bills people come to the game. And they're like, "This is it. This sucks. This is the worst football experience I've had in my life." And it's
1: yeah, it sucks. I don't know what to tell you. You're like, "Yeah, guys, but don't worry. Come back next week. That'd yeah, be cool. <laughs> come back next time the Bills are here in St. Louis." They're was like, that,
2: "No, we won't." Was that your um, bar, the Bills backer bar? Was it Applebee's?
3: It was. Uh, <laughs> so we had. Uh, there was probably four. The one we were at the most was Lester's which was like if an independent franchise tried to... I almost to st- just did
1: a spit take all <laughs> over my laptop. Hey, Chris, man, it's at the Billsbacker's bar. Oh, like where, like, where is it? It's Lester's.
3: Yep. <laughs> we were at Lester's for a lot of years. They, or- they would order, like, three cases of blue for us and then run out by halftime. We have to drink Bud Light.
1: I'm going down to Lester's. They definitely deep fried a raccoon here once. <laughs> like, they definitely cooked a raccoon in that kitchen at least
3: once. No, we we got that group up to like a hundred people at one point when it was it was that Fitz Magic year when he was like five and zero oh and then broke his ribs like people were into it.
1: So you've seen this, what it's like, where you have these little fledgling groups of fans, and yeah. then they kind of come and go, and they kind of it all coincides with the team. Yeah, and the thing is, I think that that's what makes you so great at this tailgating thing, because that's what this whole ride as tailgaters has been, Chris. Recalls when we first started, when he first jumped on board with season tickets, it was 2018. 2018, Chris bought in for seasons. Josh Allen's rookie year. Yep. Our idea of tailgating was just some cold Wegman subs in the parking lot and everyone got as drunk as they possibly could because there was no way that what was about to take place would be entertaining. Look at what you and I together have been able to create.
3: Yeah. We're the, we are the best tailgate. And no, like I love that we're... Because I like being unassuming. We're in Mudlot. We're gonna, in the Mudlot! Who's going to come down to Mudlot, just a couple trucks down from the trailer that's always there with a fire pit made out of a trash can, to find the best food and tailgate experience in Buffalo?
1: And yet every week we have 40, 50 people? Yeah, when I first
3: started tailgating with you, it was probably 10, 12... <laughs>
1: Now we're up we to, were just there to get hammered.
3: Yeah. Now we're up to like 50, 60 people, and international people. We're my our house is now the Canadian Embassy of Bills fans.
1: We did. We renamed your house this weekend
2: <laughs> the Embassy. Yeah. Like, is it a place I can check into on Foursquare? It probably it probably is in Keswick or Ontario. Yeah,
1: we we need to make Iman's house searchable on Foursquare. The Embassy. Yep. You, it, you've had so many internationals. Come. I have so many
3: air mattresses in the house that we've had to buy because we have a vertical South Buffalo house. There's no room.
1: I, I and I got small
3: sewer pipes. So no this, no
1: dude wipes. No dude wipes. There's a sign. No wipes. <laughs> For the love of God, no wipes. Here's what I love. Over the course of the last two years, you and I tailgating together, we've gotten to know each other. We've become friends. Our families are getting, are close the tailgate that morning of that disaster like, that's the first time in probably since the start of the season that you and I really got to cook together
3: yeah cuz we finally figured out a good way to like put the grills over here instead of like, you, you and I used to be split and I wouldn't see you for 5 hours
1: i know so we finally got to work together and i got to tell you like chris yep I know you hate emotions, so you might want to lean back here so you don't have to see my face. I missed you, I brother. can't
2: see you. Fa- I, I, I missed you. I cannot see your face, which is a good thing.
1: It, it was nice. It was nice getting to see you and hang out with you. and So it was one of those things like I walked away from this whole thing that day going, I still am not miserable about
3: this. I kept saying oh. I had a good day. I had a good day. That's what I say about that day. I had a good day. I don't talk about the game. I had
1: a good day. You had a good day. And that's what tailgating at a high level can do for you. Like That's why I encourage all of our listeners to show up and come hang out with us, guys. That way, you're not,
3: You don't rely on the team to set your mood.
1: Yeah, you don't get to dictate what my day is going to be like. Because my mood has already been set from the time I showed up here in the parking lot.
3: I'm using this game as a thing for me to do something I enjoy.
1: Should we tell them about the TV show audition we did? Sure. (laughs) Chris, do you know about this? Yeah, I knew about it. Did they pick somebody? Oh, my God. (sighs) It's a mystery. So here's the best part. Guys, so Food Network is doing a show called Tailgate Takedown. Iman and I auditioned for it, and it was cool, like, doing that with Iman. Also, Iman's the only masochist who wouldn't, like, like, we didn't get it, but... Also It
2: probably had to do with your face. Well, yeah, because I've got
1: a face for podcasting. I told him that. I go, are you sure I'm not going to be an impediment to this whole thing? Like these teeth? Do you want me to wear a mouth guard like You're, hockey?
2: When, if you got that show, you probably would have been contractually obligated to wear sleeves.
1: <laughs> so Iman, like the psychopath that he is, has been watching this show. Iman. Oh, yeah. Did we dodge a bullet on this one? We dodged a bullet. Chris, canned, like, pre-written banter between the two, like, cooking groups. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, Chiefs
3: fans, you guys. Yeah, we're going to win, yeah? Yeah, we're going to oh, I can't do this shit.
1: <laughs> and they make them do, like, eight takes, you can tell, because yeah. they, they just look exhausted. Hey, can you go over there and pump the crowd up? Yeah, can you go yeah. pump the crowd up?
2: I could just only imagine you. They're like, yeah, we need some... <laughs> banter and i i just picture you going i'll skull fuck you dude and then i throw and, a beer yeah I just throw a bottle of beer across the thing at their table and then the producers are gonna go let's not use skull fuck it's not let's see. and then you probably go well how do you get your point across then how does I one make use a point word?
1: without using the word
2: <laughs> and it's vincent Wolfork.
3: Is the sol- Oh Jesus? He's the host of it, and I cannot get over that he intentionally injured JP Lossman.
1: Chris halfway through the competition. <laughs> Vince Wilfork's over there making snarky commentary. I hear him. I just bootleg off and just just hamstring him, take him down.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you you uh. He'd
1: still manhandle me, but I'd take a shot.
2: You take him down the same way that dude took down the rock in the movie Walking Tall. Where he just blows his knee out?
1: Yeah, it's just like, listen, it's a low blow. I'm gonna come from the blind side.
2: Yeah, <laughs> this
1: for JP. This is yelling the whole time. This is for JP. And you're like, oh my god, this is why we don't let Bills fans do anything. <laughs> we would have it for everybody.
2: You might. Have they not shown the Bills
3: episode yet? No. So it's supposed to be in like two weeks, but all the promos and stuff exclude the Bills. I don't know. I don't know what happened.
1: Because because the guy they probably landed on. Probably not great. And what did you say they were? Only, they could only cook with a tiny gas grill.
3: There's a fryer and a tiny gra- gas grill. That's it. There's no live fire. And remember, on in our interview, we're like, yeah, well, we cook live like, fire. Oh, we're
1: cooking with live fire. Like, we probably- can't cook
3: with these guys.
1: <laughs> well, that's it. It's like, what kind of savants are you
3: bringing in here to cook on a gas grill? And then they talk about like we're gonna pay homage to that that city. The Chiefs people cook like fish tacos or something. I'm like. That's
2: not Kansas City. Hey, I'm pretty sure they have their own style of barbecue.
1: I was gonna say I don't know if you can really ridicule. You cooked fish tacos during the for the tailgate of the Miami game.
2: Yeah, and
3: it was 25 degrees out, so it was really hard to fry to put flour on frozen fish.
1: Yeah, but you it was a good actually, actually you did it, and that's the thing. Like this is what I love. We tailgate for love of the game, and I love that our listeners show up. Yeah, they show up for this. You get to see it firsthand, Demon. I'm not bullshitting. I was like, how many new listeners do you guys have? <laughs> well, this is it. It's like I love the Bob Everly might be one of my favorites because he's a salty some bitch, and he welds. He gets. He's like he's always like every time he comes, we're talking about like, oh, you got drunk in your garage and welded something. Hell yeah! I, I, I'm buying a welder now. How my old is guy?
2: this guy? I haven't met him yet. He's about
1: our age. In okay. fact, Chris, hey, you two vamp. I got to get something.
2: Oh, I guess. Uh oh. Oh. He's oh, this the room. is the. Um, I guess Bob Everly brought a gift to the tailgate based on a previous episode where we Uh-oh. have oatmeal cookies <laughs> with raisins. Oh, with raisins.
1: He shows up with these oatmeal raisin cookies. And I open them, and he goes, "No, I was. A, it was a joke. No one's supposed to eat these." Chris, how many cookies are missing from that package?
2: Um, uh, three rows, and I'd say <laughs> one and uh two rows.
1: To everyone, you sick fucks who comes to our po- to who comes to our tailgate every week. If I catch you eating oatmeal cookies around me, I'm gonna headbutt you. Let's
3: say three to four of those were
1: thrown at you by Mark Smith. True, true. He did throw a few while he was browning out. But, but realistically, a bunch of people actually ate those cookies. That's actually more frustrating. Like, he brought them to heckle me.
2: Yeah, it's more frustrating that people really ate them. These aren't good. You have to do homemade.
1: None of them are good ever.
2: Iman, what's your? I don't.
3: I don't like raisins in my in my food. I don't. I don't need Does raisins. It have to do
1: with the California
2: raisins.
3: Yeah, they were kind of, yeah, man, I don't want to relive those days.
1: I'm not going to lie. My grandmother's car started on fire when I was a little kid. And the only thing that survived was her window sticky, California raisin. And I remember her soaking it in a bucket outside with vinegar and water to get the smoke smell out of it. And thinking to myself, that thing has to be cursed because that car burned to a shell. And yet, that survived. Even at six, I was like, "That thing has to be evil." They made a Nintendo. They made
3: an NES game about the California raisins. Of
1: course, they made NES games about everything. Yeah, they would have made one about us and our stupid tailgate. <laughs> I love our tailgate. Now, yeah, what are some of your favorite things that you cooked in twenty twenty two? So
3: the second half, we I started trying to do stuff I never cooked before, and then something I knew just in case I screwed that up. <laughs>
1: See, this is why you're a professional. He's like, I have chicken legs as a backup in case he oh, yeah.
3: dies. Yep. That's why I did the fish tacos. Never done them before like that. Like fried on the grill. I'm like, yeah, they turned out. Now I'll make chicken legs. Your chorizo
1: dip was really good. Yeah, it was all right. We were talking about it. Like a little more chorizo. I think it almost needed like yeah. more sausage. Yep. It would have powered through. But the presentation was incredible. Yeah, look looked good. Eat with your eyes. Like, this is it. Like, I just... I don't know. I, I feel like when I think back to what our tailgating has been, it's the only way I was able to walk out of that experience on yeah. Sunday in one piece. Because I think to myself, how many friends have we not only met that we didn't know who people who already liked us, Twitter friends? I met I I met the the couple. Uh, the one girl's Nepali. She came to the tailgate this week. She's... Oh, um, visceral realist? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is, her <laughs> husband, boyfriend, whoever he is, they were giving me Amstel Lights. I was like, yeah. of course. Yes. That's right. Awesome. This is the beer that re- me and my father-in-law bonded over. Skinny bottles. Always got to have a different bottle. It, I, I, I love the number of people who have come through our tailgate this year who we either got to meet for the first time, mm-hmm. people we've seen over the years, like... They all got to have that experience with us. And when it's good, and then the game is good, it's amazing. It's magic. And when the game is bad, but the tailgate is still good, you can walk away from a day like Sunday and say to yourself, it wasn't for nothing.
3: The Vikings game was one of the best tailgates we had. Yes! My buddy Tad came up here from St. Louis. We had the Canadians. We had four Canadians in our house, plus Tad. That's a lot of air mattresses. And that was a great tailgate. And that was the one where Bridget left early and sat in the truck with you.
2: This is what I, th- this is why I, oh, yeah, and you guys it. talk about pronouns. <laughs> now
1: she just hugged me and she was like, I now understand. She well, like, I know after Josh that pick, She just hugged me and she was like, I get so much of why you are the way that you are. And that's it, I guess. Right? Like, that's it. It's us all getting to come together, and you and I work really hard to create a space where people like that can come together. Where John Fina can come through and get hammered and just hand people his championship ring. The
3: Packers game, that was a great tailgate. We started at 9 10 a.m. for that 8 15 kickoff.
1: The Miami game, where we shoveled out the spots, Chris and I. Yep. That was yep. one of my
3: favorite memories.
1: Chris, and then Iman Smoke. Iman talks about he'll he'll downplay the food that he makes sometimes because he's like, well, I'm not I don't like to brag, which is one of the most hilarious things about because it's not all, it's not always perfect. He smokes a whole side of salmon, makes some garlic crostini with some uh, cream cheese schmear, yeah. seasoning, barbecue salmon with capers and dill. Yeah, holy shit! Our staff accountant at work, Alejandro, still talks about it. He's like, yo, I gotta learn how to make that salmon. I go, dude, we do it in the parking lot. You you have to be able to make it in your kitchen. What a, it's not that hard.
3: What a, I made that brisket for that one game, and yes. that was a challenge because there's and it was a it was one of those stubborn briskets, and I oh, had to figure it out. You remember, I had to take I had to take it out of the butcher paper, yep. Put it into foil, kind of make that make it happen. Like that's what's fun about it. It's a challenge, and you're talking to people, and you also want to execute really good food, and
1: it, it, that, so. So, Chris, having gotten to be a part of this as a third party, because he and I could sit here and tell war stories about our—we could relive—my so my wife, when me and my friends get drunk and start telling the same stories we've been telling for 20 years, she calls it, her and the other wives call it spinning the hits. She's like, all oh, the guys get together, they get hammered, and they she goes, you can tell when they're drunk because they just start spinning the hits. Chris is an outsider from this thing that we're talking about, like— the cooking and the you're still at these tailgates you're meeting these people you're seeing the time tell me that it's not a giant accelerant to the entire day
2: yeah it's fun to get to say hello to people that listen to the podcast and that's literally no deeper than that please that's (laughs) a little weird for me he's the guy who famously
1: (laughs) told scott mason he goes i only have six back and forths in me that's all i have any more than that And I get uncomfortable I walk away
2: Yeah It's uh, it's The Packer game Best tailgate
1: The reason I bring all this up The reason I want to talk about tailgating Is because it's the only thing That sustained me on Sunday That's it Same. If it wasn't for you If it wasn't for the time we had If it wasn't for the group that showed up The guy from the Kansas City Billsbackers Yeah Who showed up And it, he was like Oh I listened to the podcast Dude you're amazing I, I, I hope that you had a great day Even if the game sucked I just I love That over the course of this season Not just Sunday but over the course of this season That so many of you prioritized your Sunday To come hang out with us And I don't take that lightly Like It it means a lot It helps me get through stuff like this I'm assuming you probably feel the same huh? I had a good day That's it, I had a good day That's what I say about that day Now it's going to be a long off season, but under the banner of Grills Mafia, I've got some interesting projects in mind. I've got some ideas, a uh, couple ideas for another meetup or two. M e a t. Uh, I-, I can't wait to you, me, read. We all get together. We talk about this. We plan some stuff out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're really going to grab
2: this summer by the haunches. You know the haunches. Yeah. What about? Let me ask you this. Bar shows. Oh, bar shows. Bar shows also where you ask me if I can do it.
1: <laughs> hey, what do I need to do that for? I pulled the last one off.
2: I don't know. I'm
1: going to be out there solo in public with a pod track, <laughs> just drunk interviewing anybody. Look at that, Chris. Chris, yeah.
3: I, I have a Task Cam four track at home. If you need me to step in, all right. Yeah. So I'm seeing Task Cam on our headphones, and it—that's uh, what I record all my four tracks on in the '90s.
1: Jesus Christ, Chris, where are we at for time on this podcast?
2: Right now, this says an hour and 16.
1: Hour and 16. Yes. Okay. Well, I hate to, I hate to do this, but we're not done because we still, like, all that lovey emotional BS that I just got done talking about, we are still the pettiest Bills podcast. And so, with that, we do have to talk about the people who have it worse than Bills fans. <laughs> I will not lose a football game and not punch down just a little bit. I refuse. Chris, that game has not sucked the juice out of me yet, right? I've still got plenty left to wallow in the misery of others. Can we talk about the Dallas Cowboys for a minute?
2: Yeah, by <laughs> all means.
1: I was 10. The last time the Dallas Cowboys made a Super Bowl, where were you in
3: 1995? Uh, I was hosting a Super Bowl party, and that game got so boring. We turned on Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
1: <laughs> so with that in mind, it's kind of funny. Figure all the all the national attention the Cowboys get, all the love that they get. What America's team? America's team. <laughs> The last time they made an NFC title game? Like that's it. That's it, nineteen ninety-six. Their last NFC title game. What was what who played
3: that year in the Super Bowl? What was it? Was that the Packers and the Patriots?
2: Yeah, ninety six.
1: Yeah. Sean McDermott has four playoff wins for Buffalo in six years. Dallas has four. Five playoff wins since ninety-six. Yep. I think what's funnier is it was Sunday's loss. They not only cemented another title this season, but we lost because our line play was terrible. At least we didn't turn ourselves into a fucking meme in the process of losing. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, our opponents our opponent's players are talking a lot of shit. Blake, do you feel bad for Zeke Elliott? No, I don't feel bad for any (laughs)
3: Cowboy ever, or any other team. Chris, is
1: this this a level of pettiness? We're like, oh, when something bad happens to the Cowboys, any player, doesn't matter why or when, we just celebrate it? Yeah. It might be, like, first of all, it's one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen on a professional football field. Let's make our running back snap the ball. And I get what he was doing. The idea was he would snap the ball. He'd throw the pass and then the wide receiver would lateral directly behind him to Zeke. Notice they had all the wide receivers out wide. Zeke would have had the whole middle of the field in theory to just run away from everybody and score. You could see how an autist might come up with that play.
3: Sounds very good on paper.
1: <laughs> it sounds this is the type of like Star Wars like Listen, so did the Death Star, right? And everyone's mm-hmm. like, hey, we'll design the Death Star. And everyone like yeah. The engineering right. was amazing on that. So, exactly. The engineering on this one, not so much. <laughs> because you have a 200-pound running back snapping a ball and then trying to block a guy who's going to railroad him trying to sack
3: the How much is that guy's life as he snapped the ball?
1: That's my point! Like, first of all... Like you just made him Leonardo DiCaprio in catch me if you can. Like like I've seen embarrassing things. Like their offensive coordinator, he was Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie. Because there's no way you can call yourself how is he still getting head like <laughs> offensive coordinating interviews, head coaching interviews after that play? You drew that up, I'd have serious reservations. It's like nope, draft nope. day when and they no- were just like, Well, it only takes one thing, I have doubts. And nobody seems to like him. Who, McCarthy Kellenmore? I'm oh. talking about
3: McCarthy. Oh, McCarthy? Yeah, no, he, well, he like,
1: stinks. No one no one seems to like him wherever he goes. Here's what I like. First of all, it feels like a fuck you to Zeke Elliott, who might not ever play for that team again. They're probably going to cut him in the offseason and save a bunch of money. He'll go to the Raiders or something. Yeah, that sounds...
3: That's where everyone goes. Well,
1: that's where yeah. everyone who's ever punched at a chicken public or done anything <laughs> inappropriate or gotten themselves suspended. Like, they all end up Raiders somewhere.
3: Raiders or Bucks or... Yeah, Maybe a brown. Yeah. There's a
1: couple dirtbag teams out there where you all just filter down to. And did them we the forget the
3: Bengals used to be that?
1: Yeah, I remember. They were they, they were like, oh, the Bungles. They were like, oh, those stripes should be prison stripes. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember. Whew. So here's a question. What do you think was going through Zeke's head when they told him, like, hey, you're going to go out there and snap this ball? Like, Mike McCarthy defended the play. He's like, no, we practiced that. We, we run it in practices. I can tell you this. When they're running it inside the dome in practice, Zeke Elliott's walking around going, there is no fucking way they're ever going to make me snap the ball. <laughs> <laughs> not only do they make him do it, but they make him do it on live television in front of the entire country. <laughs> Chris, tell me that's not a shit show.
2: Yeah, I saw it. Great play. Great play design. <laughs>
1: Also, they got beat by Mr. Irrelevant. So if that's not like embarrassing enough, seventh-round pick, Brock Purdy, with that win, has now tied Dak Prescott for career playoff wins.
2: Did nice, it, yeah. What,
1: what the f- And for all you out there who are like, oh, wins are on a quarterback, go tweet, kick rocks, tweet Bruce about it. Wins aren't a quarterback stack. Guess what? I like this one. You can't bring me down. I'm having too good of a time laughing about this. (laughs) Also, Jerry Jones, that dude loves to talk.
2: He loves to talk. He's the only NFL owner with his own radio segment.
1: And that's why this is funny. He canceled this radio segment yesterday. (laughs) Him and his son skipped their radio segment. Here's what I love. Before I say that, you know how much he loves to talk? How much? Very much. very much. He had to, he felt that he had to go down to the field and give Brett Marr a pep talk before the game. You know, the the kicker who missed like five <laughs> extra points the previous week. He Jerry Jones felt that during warm-ups it was necessary for him as the owner of the team to go talk to the kicker. Oh, you think that's gonna make that's gonna take the pressure off him?
3: Remember, Ralph Wilson used to do that with Norwood. You know, made everything better.
1: Yeah, it just made everything better. I'm sure. It, oh my god, <laughs> fucking! And then his first kick gets blocked. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, what's happening?
3: <laughs> you know what happened? It's just like the Patriots. Somebody sold their soul for the Cowboys back in the '90s, uh, and now it's all coming back to roost.
1: Uh, here's what I know: they lost. And then he had to cancel his radio appointments, Chris, because the like their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are both being interviewed for head coaching jobs. Their whole coaching staff has contracts that expired. They don't have a coaching staff. Literally, it's just Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy standing alone in a room right now. If you're talking to all the people who are officially Dallas Cowboys.
3: But we'll get to watch them three times on uh, primetime next, next year. Maybe five. Uh, oh, it'll be five.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a fucking, it, it's hilarious. And I love the, the Brock Purdy tying Dak Prescott for playoff wins thing will never get old to me. Never. He, he, like it, It's it's like watching Jerry Jones try to cobble this together. is like watching someone try to hold together a sandcastle. It's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Hey, wait. Did you hear that? No, don't worry. It's not the buzz that we talk about all the time in our group chat. Fridge went off. It's the world's smallest violin playing the saddest song ever written (laughs) for the goddamn cowboys. And also, if I could just throw some other people under the bus here while I'm being petty. Journalists who want to make a big deal out of Stefan Diggs not waiting for the media. Kiss my ass. All right. Jesus this Kentucky gentleman yeah it feels good I'm about to challenge someone for a duel (laughs) holy shit this is Chris this is rocket fuel don't drink this stuff I've said this before I'll say it again sports media if you whine it falls on deaf ears to me I don't I don't have any emotion for you you're not Walter Cronkite you're not Elvater's you're not even Ron Burgundy you're just a bunch of dudes who, the, like, the only thing that separates you from me. I hold a degree in journalism. The only thing that separates you from me is a laminated pass and the ability to talk to a bunch of half-naked guys when a game's over. I don't want to do that. Chris, I don't want to walk around with a bunch of man-ass in my face yeah. while I'm, what, asking questions? The yeah. questions I have, they don't want to answer. So I wouldn't ask them.
3: Just uh, the guy who started Deadspin, Will Letch from St. Louis, He, I read his book and uh, he talked about sports journalism and he had this moment where he was, he was in a locker room, knelt down and he's like a guy just pulled his pants down and put his dick in his face as like a statement of like, I don't care about you guys. And he's like, I don't want this career. <laughs> I don't want to do sports journalism anymore. I'll start a blog.
1: I'll start a blog. Because
3: <laughs> I don't need a guy just putting his dick in my face for a 10-minute interview, just to prove a point.
1: <laughs> I feel like it might, it, for me, if you were to just, like, I'm coming here, I'm just doing my job, I got my laminate, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to ask a corny-ass question, and you just were to pull your piece out, I feel like I would start asking questions worded in such a way that it alluded to the fact that you were just hanging dong while I was asking them. But it wouldn't be on the nose and you would have inevitably laugh. And I'm recording it. And I'm like, listen, I'll get you. <laughs> you you will, you will answer my question. <laughs> I'll break you. But so this is what I mean. Like, Chris, these people crying. It's like, well, look at him. He's a diva. No, oh, you bailed him. True or false, the media is just salty. They didn't get their pound of flesh.
2: Correct.
3: Correct. Yeah.
1: Okay. What does Stefan Diggs have to prove to us as fans? Nothing. 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 <laughs> What do you want? Chemistry with a quarterback? Undeniable. Love for his teammates? Like, the guy was going to fight hospital security to go see DeMar Hamlin. You want to talk about a guy who, what, what he's being selfish and, oh, it's, he's being a bad teammate.
2: That's how the uh, media spins those things. So when you see a quarterback do what Stefan Diggs does on the sideline, it's like, oh, this guy's a leader. He's trying to galvanize the troops. But then when a wide receiver does it, oh, this guy's a fucking dickhead, diva, get rid of him. Well, That's how it was. He,
1: well, mo- probably because most of those... Because the quarterbacks know they have to play the game. Wide receivers?
2: Just they run routes and catch the damn ball.
1: They just get to do... I feel like wide receivers get labeled as divas. If For no other... Oh, all right. Take him on, Tucky. I'll take them on, Tucky. Take him on, Tucky. <laughs> Wide receivers get labeled as divas because they're, listen, they're wild stallions. Nobody knows what to do with them. <laughs> like they, and these guys are the guys who go out there and go, fuck your safety, fuck your cornerback. I'll come over the middle and I'll take a hit. And I'll throw that ball in your face. And I'll tell you, I just set the Bills up for a game winning field goal in, De- in Detroit. And those, why? Because fuck you. That's why.
3: And those guys only get a handful of plays a game yes. to make a statement. Uh, like they're such a big personality. When you look at it, they, they made six catches for ninety-nine yards, but they made such a big impact on those few plays. It's a unique position to be in.
1: The guy is un- undeniably one of the best. One of the best football players to ever wear a Bills jersey. Yep. I love Quinn Early. He's Whoa. Better than, he's better than Quinn Early. <laughs> You've
3: up 88 Quinn Early. Fuck yeah. Um, wait, wait, you put Quinn Early above Andre
1: Moles. No, 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 no. Here's what I'm doing. I'm saying, if you want to talk about all the guys who didn't take a bunch of shit from the media, Quinn Early never got asked any hard questions. Why? Because there was no expectations on those fucking teams. Yeah. Quinn Early got to show up, catch balls when he did. If he didn't, no one cared. They were just like, well, you guys did the thing. You went out there. You may be won. You may be lost. Bap." Now, all of a sudden, the rhetoric gets ratcheted up a notch when there's expectations. Mm-hmm. And you project those onto a guy like Stefan Diggs, except that's the media. That's not us. It's not you. It's not the three of us sitting in this room together. Because we can watch that guy and how much he cares about winning football games, how much he cares about being a part of this team, how much he cares about his teammates. I,
3: I, I can't remember us having somebody like that that we know is like that. Like you, you would think that about guys, but Stefan, you can see it because of social media and the well, way.
1: But also, he just wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. He's like, look, I'm an emotional dude, but but that's what makes him great.
3: He's like a Daryl Talley wide receiver to
1: me. Yes. You know what? Up top. That's the best explanation I've heard of that.
2: Now... Wait. Did you yep. say Daryl Talley? Yep. Wide receiver. And a linebacker. <laughs> where have we seen that before? Yeah,
1: where have we seen a linebacker who's also a wide receiver? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Headfirst into that one.
3: God, we need Steve Tasker to visit this tailgate next year.
1: I know. I just want to talk to him and be like, listen, so... Nice career as a linebacker. I appreciate that. <laughs> but so I guess my thing is, if the way he handled this situation doesn't work, like his way of coping doesn't allow these guys to get their soundbite, like, I don't know, cry your tears and go find the next stall with some half-naked dude with his balls out that can fumble his way through trying to explain how his team just got embarrassed in front of everybody. And when you think about like him on Twitter, and everyone's like, oh, well... He's handling us inappropriately. He sounded like most of us, didn't he? Yep. He spoke for us. Chris, it, Chris, he was the Lorax. He spoke for the trees. <laughs> yes. He, Diggs was the Lorax. He spoke for all of us because we don't have a voice that cares the way his does. Except for the Rock Power Report. Except for the Rock Power Report. Oh, and then there's also this little thing of... Uh, like So in, ter- in terms of EPA for you fancy pants fucking stat nerds out there, total target EPA for Bill's pass catchers in 2022, Stefan Diggs was the only person to reach over. Jesus Christ, let me blow this up because uh, the this Kentucky gentleman has me squinting. He was right around 75. He's the only one to get over 20. Uh, also, he had the highest total target EPA of any pass catcher in the NFL any wide receiver in football the most dynamic expected points per play ridiculous and yet they want to do what they want to try to assassinate his character they want to try to derive because he cares because he cares how about this you guys i could have done your job Sports journalists everywhere. Uh, Chris, isolate this as a soundbite. I want you to make a note. I want because we're going to put this out in waveform. What do they call that? Audiogram. Yeah. Stereogram.
2: Audiogram. Just your gram. We're going to do yep. it for
1: the gram. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I can't keep up with technology or fucking twenty-year-olds. Here's what I know. You journalists fuck up constantly. Because you're so worried about your story that you don't tell the story and you neglect these guys in the process. And then you wonder why they don't respect you. You wonder why they don't treat you well. You wonder why they they flee you instead of sticking around and having an honest conversation because they don't trust you. That's your fault, not theirs. So every time you want to get mad about a player who doesn't answer your questions or he's a bad actor or he uh, he's a diva, no, he's just a dude who doesn't have time for your personal bullshit. That's on you, not on them. Take a deep breath, stop projecting, get better at your job. And if you want lessons, I'll teach you. <laughs> I, I could show you a thing or two. <laughs> Fuck. Chris, final thoughts as we wrap this thing. Simple. It's this board right
3: here. Oh, uh, I'm embarrassed about my uh, yeah! prediction. <laughs> I just keep staring
2: at it, and I'm like, how did I do that math? I'm
1: going yeah. to get one more out. I'm going to get one
2: more. What's the tally at now? Well, we're going to go over that right now. Are you opening that right now? Right now. There you go. What do you have on the on the rack three, there? Three, four,
1: five, six, seven, eight.
2: Eight, including the one in your hand. Yep. I have... One That I drank I did Chris know. is
1: actively trying not to shit his pants during this podcast
2: I did puke f- Viol- if, he, Violently He did Ill. the thing
1: where he's on the toilet and the garbage can at the same
2: time Well no I just puked in the bathtub <sighs> I think that's why it's so much worse I think that's why bathtubs are built right next to the toilet <laughs> So when God, you get into this situation... Not,
3: not those the pipes ra- are
2: smaller, man.
3: You got to respect the pipes.
1: The drain is smaller. It's not meant to take the chunks. What are
2: you doing? Yeah. of that shit tomorrow.
1: Oh,
3: my You got to break down those well, chunks.
2: I mean, I had chicken, and then it became uh-huh. shredded chicken. But it still went down the drain easy. So you said you have eight? <laughs> yes. Eight, eight, to, eight. eight to my one, nine... That puts us at a final count of three hundred and thirty. Woo! So, oh, oh! somebody got food it. Stamp-killa, food stamp killer.
1: Food stamp killer, which I was remarking earlier, is one of the funniest Twitter handles I've ever heard.
2: At food stamp killer, guessed three hundred and thirty, and they win. Hot this damn. is nobody has won this since. No one's ever
1: hit it right on the Nuggets,
2: except you. You're the first year we did this. That's true. Yes, so. That's At food stamp killer should send us a DM to where we can send them some swag. God damn! Wow. Your final thoughts
1: as we kind of close this game out, and we kind of just take a step back and see what the season is like. It's just fuck this game.
3: <laughs> yeah, like it was one of those one of the first years since maybe '96 had high expectations, and. So it was weird to deal with. I never never accepted that I was I had to separate expectations from reality. And so Bridget's she's a new Bills fan, she's all excited about it. I'm like, eh, we'll see. We'll see. Every week. I was a very we'll see. But you care and you see it and and you know we've got this little window. So it's very magic. And now living here, since I hadn't lived here, it's like did I pick the perfect time to be here? Is this part of this story? And you see all these storylines. Then they all fall flat. You have the blizzard. It's like, is this Buffalo? Do we just keep falling flat, falling on our faces? Or do we keep getting up and when is that thing? Or is our thing how we keep going and how we make it? Like the tailgates. I had a good day despite how shitty our team played. And if anyone asked me about the season, be like, Best tailgates of my life,
1: and the season really was. It was our best work. Yep, I
3: did. The, the people we brought in, the food we served, like no one can, t- no one, no one can match what we do. And they're always really surprised when they come to our, our little mud lot tailgate because <laughs> we're in the mud until yeah. Mark Mark brings the wood chips.
1: So Mark up with. Well, actually, realistically, it's gravel. But there's some muck. There's muck. It's the mud lot. And the food we're making is like. You said the other week. You're like, we're like a three three Michelin star restaurant. We're a three
3: Michelin tire star restaurant (laughs) (laughs) because we're in the mud lot. But it's true. I love it. The stuff we're putting out is pretty high end.
1: It really does make all of this kind of worth it. Yeah. And it does give you perspective. It's, it's very
3: Buffalo of like, you got to find this secret little thing in this shitty little corner of this mud lot and you're going to get the best food, the best people, the best drinks, the most welcoming people. Never would have expected it. Everyone who comes through our tailgate says they're going to stay for about 20 minutes. <laughs> and then they never leave. They never leave.
1: It's the Roach Motel. You yeah. come for five minutes, you stay for two hours. It. It's one of the, I genuinely believe that the thing that you and I have kind of put together, like Potter, Dan, those guys, we started this. And now with their help and Chris and everybody else who's part of the original crew, and then the stuff that we've been able to extrapolate off the top of that, we've created something like we're something like i like to think of ourselves as like listen we're a lighthouse we're just out there if you're out there and you're walking around you don't know where to go you don't know who to hang out with you have no place come find us yeah we're here i've got i've got no i don't know uh, i've got no reservations about who you are who you root for are you here to have a good time a couple laughs do you want to have a couple drinks Maybe hear an off-color joke or two, but guess what? That comes with the territory of me drinking whiskey for three hours.
3: And and when we first moved, when Bridget and I first moved here, we were trying to find our tailgate spot. And I was like, it's going to happen naturally. We're going to find it. Just keep living. Go to the games. We're going to find it. And it's like when we got to the mud lot with you guys, I was like, that's it.
2: Got it. That's where we belong. Yeah, not on the other side of the stadium. No.
3: Losers in the grass lot. Playing, uh, playing stump.
1: Jesus! <laughs> <sighs> Can you pour me a little bit more, Kentucky gentleman? For this,
2: should we yes. call your wife to come get you? No, it's gonna be fine. Because <laughs> it's only four here miles. We go.
1: To quote the great Thomas Moore. "Foot on, my men," this ranger said. "I'm hurt, but not yet slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and I'll rise and fight again." Marvel Levy threw that quote around a lot. Like, he said it. It got famous. Now he's been saying it at speaking events and everything else. It's made for a rallying cry for people over the years. But I don't know. <laughs> Here we are. I'm bleeding again. Yep. <laughs> and I got to say that if we're talking about being hurt and not yet slain, I think about like that quote from that uh, movie Aladdin. Back in the 90s where uh, the main character asks the genie whether he can, whether or not he can kill people. And he goes, no, but you'd be surprised what you can live through. It's stunning what we as Buffalonians, whether it's honorary, the people who are Western New Yorkers by geography, just by heritage, just the stuff that we manage. Mm -hmm. The rest
3: of America doesn't do this shit.
1: They don't. I don't know. Uh, Like, I'm not here to tell anybody else how they should feel in the aftermath of all this. You can be outraged. You can be sad. You can feel numb. Whatever you're feeling right now, you're entitled to. We have a rough go. It's been a fucking year. It's a year, right? And it almost felt like we were destined to get a little bit of something. Some positive news. A light at the end of the tunnel. Let down in brutal fashion once again. And I watch too many t- people bitch and complain about it. Like, there's a there's a story I I tell about a I'm I'm on this Mexican resort vacation with my ex girlfriend. We decided two days into a seven day vacation we fucking hated each other. Yeah, imagine breaking up on a destination vacation. So we're on this skiff in the middle of the Caribbean. We just got done snorkeling with whale sharks one of the coolest experiences of my life, terrifying because I fucking hate the ocean. You shouldn't go in there if you don't want to get mauled. If you get mauled in the ocean, it's your fault. So we're riding back on the boat and these storm clouds roll in. I'm talking black, like the ceiling in here, Iman, black. And hail, like dime-sized hail just starts pelting the boat. And I don't know why I did it because I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing it for her because she hates my guts. And I'm not doing it for these people because I don't fucking know them, but I feel like somebody should. And I grabbed this lady's blanket and I kind of put it over like it was one of those skiffs that has like seats and then a roof over the top. And I just put the blanket over the top of it, over the face of it. Now I'm on the almost near the bow of the boat and I'm just holding this thing as we're doing 18 miles an hour through the ocean. Water's choppy. I'm just getting hailed on. And it's like I'm just out there. By myself. And eventually some of the guys felt guilty enough that they came out and helped me hold it up so that not everyone was getting pelted with stuff. But I was out there for probably about 20 minutes just alone, just with it. Taking it. You just eat it. <laughs> You're like, this is going to suck. It's a ju- full metal jacket. It's a giant yes. shit sandwich and we're all going to take a bite. I, I tell that story not to pat myself on the back because it's like not to make me sound like a badass instead it's for anybody who, like who isn't here who doesn't know this like who isn't I don't know you don't have our absurd almost level of commitment to this form of escapism that we found mm-hmm. you'd probably look at us Bill's fans the same way everyone else on that boat looked at me when I went out there on the bow of the boat with the with the blanket and they're like you're an idiot <laughs> you're you're gonna get hurt out there. This isn't gonna end well for you. And I'm like, yeah, but but I have to. But I gotta do this. Like that's what it is. And I don't know. In the same way that we literally and metaphorically dusted ourselves off, like think about what this winter's been so far. It's not even over. Yep. Dude, Christmas. 40 people, 40 people died.
3: Yeah. There was no Christmas.
1: 40 people died. And the lake effect snow decided that it, it wanted to try and kill us. Yeah. We're Buffalonians. This is what we do. And it's hard for people to understand that. And I, I look around and I see things from people, people who complain, people who cry on Twitter, they whinge and they go, I'm done with this football team. They've broken my heart too many times. What did you think was going to happen? Who are you? Because you're not a Buffalonian. Because I, what you t- and you said something at the top of the show that's been bounced around in my head. Pronouns? <laughs> no. We as Buffalonians suffer well. You said it. You were like, there's something about these people. Like we're resilient. We just kind of take it and stretch. We suffer well, even when it's in pursuit of what is probably a pipe dream. Yeah. We yeah. take it. There's a tweet from Kevin O'Neill and he goes, I saw my grandparents, my dad, and my uncles all die waiting for a Super Bowl win. I just don't want to be next. It's pretty sobering thought, eh?
3: And and people I saw a few people rail on that tweet and I'm like, No, I get that tweet. Because that's that's what it means to be into this world. You have to accept that you're always going to be let down, but you just keep going. You don't stop. It's, it. not, it's not a suicide mission.
1: It's just you don't stop. And you say, listen, this is going to suck. I know it's going to suck. But it's not even a thing where you're like, well, I'm too invested now. I can't. No, you guys can let go anytime you want to. I'm just not going to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a pretty. So like I think about it and I go, this thing is probably going to put me in the ground. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm i pro- there exists a chance that there isn't a happy ending to this story for anyone listening to this podcast right now. But I think I think about all the people who are tied up in that. I think about my father, mm-hmm. who like we've we've reconciled. And it, it's been one of the great pleasures of my entire life getting that relationship back with my father over football. Not over football, but it was as I started to build a family. And I think he started to recognize, like, hey, my son is actually kind of a hes a responsible man. And he's, he's growing. But the thing that brought us together originally was watching football together. And it is like Angels in the Outfield. The team finally got good. And me and my father came back together. And I, I love it. I love that I have that. But I think about him and I go, that guy suffered so much. Can you just get one? I remember before last year's divisional round game, literally sitting in my truck, almost teary-eyed, just thinking about, can you do this for my dad? Can you do it for him? Because I, th- I feel like this, he deserves that. I think about Jason Hicksonball, Chris. Oh, yeah. Hicksonball doesn't, I don't know how much time he has. He's been with us since the beginning as a podcast listener. He's terminally ill. He's got hemochromatosis. Blood has too much iron. It's just eating away at him. One day it'll kill him. How much time does he have left? How many more years does he have left to watch this team try to win one? I think about some of our older listeners who come to the tailgates and hang out and party with us. Iman, you've met most of these people. It can be a deflating thought if you choose to be a defeatist. About the, it. The,
3: the guy in St. Louis we started the backers club with, he was in his seventies and he died while we were running the club. And that hit me of just like that guy spent his whole life being, being a bills fan. He, he moved across the country, ended up in the Midwest and me and him met randomly at a bar watching the bills game together. And he's like, you want to try to make this a thing? It was Oh three Oh four. It's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And me and that guy did it, built it, got cancer, died. And it's just, it's wanted to eat. As a Bills fan, you watch that and you see the commitment. It's not – how do I put this? It's a commitment to a community and the people around you versus just the team. And that's what people don't get sometimes about the, the trials and tribulations Bills fans go through. It's about the people you meet through the way because you have to be a certain kind of person to do this.
1: The tailgates. You can't be a Cowboys fan and do what we do. No. The tailgates is our perfect example. We've created a family and a group of friends who like you and I were standing there on Sunday. And I remember like you said it. You were like the Venn diagram yeah. of <laughs> all the people we've brought together yeah. this year is crazy. Like we've created a group of family and friends. That's it. Around this game.
3: Yeah, it's not about it's not about the game sometimes. It, yeah. It, it's
1: about- You at my house for Thanksgiving. Yeah. It wasn't about the game. It was about the fact that you were there with me and my family. Yep. And I was happy to get to share that with you. Just, hey, Iman and Bridget are going to come over. Annabelle's going to be there. It's going to be a great time. And we're all going to drink and have a good time and- Maybe the Bills win. Maybe they lose. Hopefully they don't lose or else I'll ruin the day. <laughs> that was close. It was Which close. is why I went outside. <laughs> but realistically, was that or was that not a great day? That's what it's about. That's what it's about.
3: You got to have a good day and win or lose. We have good days because you can't – you and I have talked about this. You can't be a shitty person. And come to our tailgate and survive.
1: No, because there's too much. Po- there's too many positive people, but we're not going to shove it down your throat. Trust me. Every every terrible joke that I have is followed up with just like a Hey, how you doing? Yeah, how's your kids? How are you? Like because we're all friends, and that's what real friendship is. That's what a real community looks like. Mm-hmm. Is where you can be brutally honest with each other about how you are, who you are, and still find common ground with people like this. That's
3: yeah. To lean into being a bills fan isn't about the team itself. It's about the community around it and the people you meet through it, because you'll see a separation of, of the people who just use it as this toxic thing. that's their whole personality Yeah. and people who use it. I feel bad for those people. Yeah. I, really and
1: the,
3: I feel maybe I'm selfish here, but I feel like we use it for good. Yeah. We're on the good side. It's I'm, like, if the Bills lose, my life isn't destroyed. I still have great people around me.
1: That's it. And so that's it, I guess. Like, on the other side, like, yes, this loss fucking hurts. <laughs> it's a huge missed opportunity for our football team. Our season's over. We got to go into another offseason full of questions. It's going to be a mess. No one's going to like this. And... Dude, also, it's a missed opportunity for a group of people in a city that really didn't need to be kicked while we were already down. Like, have we not suffered enough? Yet at the same time, I've survived worse. (laughs) I think we all have. Anybody listening to this podcast right now, still, the reason you're still listening to it is because you've been through worse and you understand it. Like, that's it. And if I have to just walk around with the knowledge that I'm going to die at some point, I'd rather know I spent the time that I had, I don't know, hanging on to hope. Hope of something that so many other people clung to and didn't get to see come to fruition. Just that Lombardi coming down Main Street in Buffalo. I I have to believe in that. I have to. And I guess I'm not obligated to, but also, why not? Fuck it. What, what what are you worried about? They're like, oh my god, my heart I'm heartbroken of this Grow up. Drink a glass of whiskey. A whole glass. A whole glass of whiskey. Have a really honest conversation with yourself. <laughs> In moment, I don't know if any of you do that. I'm I'm whiskey and then like I'm a whiskey thinker. Same. On yeah. top of a whiskey drinker. Go have a couple. I mean guys, we've already come this far. We've lost this much sanity. We've lost this much time. What's a little bit farther, right? I know that if you're still listening to this, you're in. You're here with us whether you like it or not. So join me with a little bit of bourbon. Open a beer wherever you are, whatever you're drinking, whatever you're di- All I know is I'm going to have a dozen more of these over the course of the next two weeks as I wallow my way through this Super Bowl weekend, lament an opportunity missed, Everybody in Buffalo will. And then I'll rub some dirt on it. We'll rise and we'll fight again. We'll get back at this fucking thing. Maybe next year. <laughs> Guys, thank you for showing up to one of the longest podcasts we've recorded this year. It's probably the probably the most relaxing I've done. It's probably my favorite of the year. I hate that it comes under these circumstances, but for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Iman Azizi of Q42 Barbecue. Yep. Why don't you plug your shit?
3: Hey, you go to Q42BBQ.com, <laughs> buy the stuff. There's about
1: 200 things of each thing left. So, Guys, get it before it's gone. Yeah. Come on now. Thank you for sharing this run with us. We'll see you. This has been your Rockpaw Report.